Irish NFL show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Welcome into the Irish NFL show as we continue our look at all the head coaches around the league. Who is under pressure? Who is not? What are the expectations ahead of the new season for their teams? Delighted to have Andrew Morgan back with me. We had a remainable segment last week on this. Andrew, we're looking forward to your thoughts on these three head coaches in this segment. Yeah, I think we've got a few good ones here with differing expectations, different pressures, and really different things that we'll be talking about throughout the season towards the end when we get to the playoffs. Absolutely, and we're going to kick off. With, we're going to go west. We're going to go AFC West, and that is the uh, LA Chargers and Brandon Stadium. Anybody who knows me, and this is your NFL show on a regular basis, knows what my feelings are around this particular head coach over the course of the last three years. I've questioned his play calling, where he doesn't take field goals, where he continues to go for short down four yards plays, like he's the cleverest head coach in the league. And then you've got a playoff game against the Jags, and a half time, it looks like they're going on to play, I believe, within the Chiefs. And, uh, the whole world fell apart for him in the second half, and Joe Lombardi, the offensive quarter, has now gone to the Broncos. Seems to be, was the fall guy. He lost his job quickly after that particular game, and Brandon Staley managed to hang on to his job. He does a bit of a mixed opinion with the Chargers fans. Whether that was the right thing or not, but I'll bring you in now. Like, what's your thoughts on, on, on Staley to date, and, and obviously what you think is the level of expectation this team should have going into the season? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a few things there. I was reading um, a couple of pieces this morning about him and I'd, I'd gone back to the end of the season in March and the Los Angeles Times, they, they basically just slated him because the, here's a guy who a lot of people expected to be um, a head coach on the on the block. Um, somebody who was going uh, have to have his number called on Black Monday and here he is swelling into his uh, post-season press conference like they hadn't just dropped 11 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, to the Jags and Joey Bosa hadn't thrown his helmet twice and just lost the plot entirely. Um, I think to your point that you mentioned is a guy who has really tried to embrace analytics and he has tried to say, well, we're not going to go for it on fourth. We're not going to kick. We'll go for it on fourth because the boffins uh, back in back in headquarters have said that doing it now makes more sense here and there. And I think that what, what as a as a wider conversation, you're starting to see that that kind of approach to football doesn't work when you only have 17 games. It's great in baseball when you're playing 600 games before July because the numbers will even themselves out in a while and they will start to make sense. When you've got 17 games of football with metrics and different things that are so interchangeable, it's going to make it a lot harder for those decisions to stick and to make sense. And when you aren't going, when you are going for it on fourth, you're not kicking, you're not doing all of the things that you should be potentially it's it's sometimes it's going to come back and bite you and it's definitely done that with him and it started to happen with other coaches as well um i think it was interesting that they obviously made that change at offensive coordinator joe lombardi went out kellen moore has now come in from the um from the cowboys because he is a guy who 
was touted as this defensive genius. He was from the Sean McVay coaching tree. So obviously anybody who Sean McVay has shared a coffee with over breakfast is going to get a head coaching job at some point. And he was one who was um, who, who was touted and, and then obviously went there. But when you look at the talent that they have on their defense, when you've got Derwin James, you've got um, you've got Joey Bosa, you've got you've got big players all the way through that defense. They have not played up to that um, that billing, and they've not been able to they've not reflected the fact that they have a defensive head coach. And yeah, I think I think the pressure is going to be on this season because you've got Justin Herbert on that rookie contract. He's due an extension. So all the players that they've been able to bring in with bigger contracts, they're not going to be able to do that in a year or two because Justin uh, um, Herbert's going to be making $45, $50 million a year. So their options when it comes to free agency are going to be massively, massively reduced. Um, So the pressure will be on. And I think in that Los Angeles market, the Chargers are, they're not the second team in Los Angeles in terms of football. They're probably the fourth because after the Rams, UCLA, and USC, there's not a lot of football to go around. And we've all seen the uh, the jokes before where they can't fill the stadium. You get more away fans to a Chargers home game than the Chargers home fans do. They need to make a splash and they need to have some success. And I think if, if Staley can't do that, then yeah, I think that's when his, um, his ticket will be called. I often wonder if the Chargers would have been better in the sweepstakes if they had went to Las Vegas as opposed to, opposed to going to LA into a market, like you said, which is populate with a number of teams, whether it's the NFL, the college the college game, and even the other various different sports across across LA and, and various different areas within within California, that kind of wider area. Um just reflecting as well, Quinton Johnson, fourth round pick, comes in again, it's very much like you now the last couple of years they brought in offensive line guys in the fourth round. We had Zion Johnson on the show recently. He spoke very highly of the, how Kellen Moore has introduced himself. I wonder will the Kellen Moore effect this year? Again, who could have had a bit of a, a rough ending in, in Dallas. I wonder how that will kick in. But they're certainly doing their utmost to make sure that they're going to see an attack more than an aggressive offense. But just you touched on a very good point there. He's a defensive coach. He was brought in essentially to correct his defense. And in the past two years, they've continued to be gashed in their own game. You know, I think the year before they were 24, so I think they ended up around 26 last year in that, in that region. Not too distant to where they were. Like it just It's something that's completely gone, in my, in my opinion, under the radar. I know there's various podcasts that caught it up. Hasn't been rectified. Saw it in the playoff game where at the end in the second half kind of did a number on them. Surely this is like, are we, are we, are we do you think we're in last chance? Saloon for him again? Like, what's the level of expectation for the ownership like and Tom Tonesco? Like, is it is it making the divisional round? Bearing in mind they've just been to the playoffs for the first time in a number of years. First time in particular under Herbert. Get lose a wildcard game. Is divisional round acceptable? for the Chargers' ownership to maintain Brandon Staley only to the following season? I think when you look at the playoffs, it's not so much about the landmarks that you've hit. I think it's the respectability of what you've been able to accomplish at that landmark. Because you can, if you dive into the division and you look, you've got Denver, you've got, uh, you've got Raiders, um, you've got a lot of tough teams there. Oh, you've got the Chiefs. Sorry, I forgot about the Super Bowl champions. You've got the Chiefs as well. So you're always going to be looking potentially at a wild card, which means that you'll be playing against a seeded team. Now, if you're able to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in the divisional round and then you lose by the skin of your teeth, maybe there was a gutsy call on fourth down because you wanted to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, that's a completely different scenario to completely losing everything against the Jags in the wild card and 
and getting embarrassed almost. So it's it's how those things can kind of play out that can make the difference for a coach. But yeah, I mean, you look at I, I whilst you were just mentioning that, I just quickly popped up the their uh, defensive stats over the year. They were thirty second against the run in the year. They they allowed five point four yards rushing um, a, a carry, and that's just it, that's that's not acceptable in the league. That you're never going to be able to have any kind of success like that. And when you look at the the money that they have invested in players in Khalil Mack in in Joey Bosa, in Derwin James, in, in those big defensive names, they have to do something and be able to come through because it's two years in a row where I've picked the, the Chargers as my fantasy defense and by about week six, I've I've got rid of them very, very quickly because they weren't going to do anything for me and they were actually scoring minus points. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a big amount of pressure because you bring, we, we talked about this last week, you bring somebody in to try and fix something for you and we're going to be talking about a couple of other coaches who have done that. Kellen Moore had that success with uh, with Dallas. He was able to put up really big scores, really big numbers with his play calling. He's going to have the tools with Keenan Allen and um, and Justin Herbert. And we we haven't even talked about the fact that he played Mike Williams in Week 18 when um, when he was injured. He got he got re injured, which meant he then couldn't play in the um, in the wild card game, which he was totally slated for didn't really hold his hands up and say no I got that wrong he was like no I'd do it again that was the right decision and everyone's just looking at him like no you you had the playoffs you were there you were ready for it you got to rest your best player you think about two years ago do you remember that game against the Raiders when if they'd have tied they both would have gone into the playoffs he calls a timeout when John Gruden was running the ball for the tie, so they could both get in the playoffs, and Gruden goes, "Okay, fine, we'll throw a touchdown pass instead." So there's there's been these things where it just it's almost embarrassing about the way that Chargers seasons have finished under Staley. And yeah, when when you're competing in a market, you're a fledgling team trying to assert yourself. I don't think that anything less than a, a competent divisional performance is, is going to help him to keep his job this year. Absolutely, I remember that particular game, and people were talking about. Roden even recognised and acknowledged it in his press conference. Our strategy completely changed on the back of the Chargers taking that timeout. I think we've uh, we've we've done enough on the, on the Chargers for now. It's certainly an interesting season ahead for them. Uh, we're going to go over to the NFC North this time, and it's Matt Lafleur. And people might be surprised as to why we're focusing on Matt Lafleur, but I guess has the uh, the window of opportunity gone for the Packers now? Because for for so long this was a team year in year out they were certainly a team. I am the uh, in terms of the Batman's tape to go to the Super Bowl, certainly win the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers was there. We saw a number of championship defeats. Um, some of them quite comfy. I always reflect on that San Francisco game where the game was over by halftime. They had the divisional the round defeats to the 49ers in the snow. They did they have an opportunity to go to playoffs last year in week 18 and they lose to, to the Lions. Like, just It just feels like it, it's it, they've missed a, a chance. And now they're obviously going for an, an era where they're moving on from Aaron Rodgers. He's gone to the Jets and we're going to have the Jordan Love experience. What's the seeding for the Packers? And I wonder what the expectation is for Packers fans right now because, again, there's some people out there in the team because of the nature of this division and the way the Vikings won it last year. I don't know if you question some of their wins um, and we saw what happened to them in the playoffs. So there's a, it isn't against the rounds possibility that the Packers could react and play well because sometimes, and we see it in all sports, where they're kind of, the main player leaves the dressing room Everybody's galvanized, and we see a different mindset, a different coaching staff, and things come together. Like, is is it unfair to think that that's a realistic possibility for this team? Yeah, I, could, I think there's a couple of things. The first is that the Packers in the last few years were starting to morph into this heavy run team. 
they weren't a 40-50 pass a game team under Matt Lafleur. He was trying to mould them into two tight ends, two backs, rotating between Aaron Jones and um, AJ Dillon. So they were trying to phase themselves into life after Aaron Rodgers. And I was listening to Chris Sims a few weeks ago and he was doing his top 40. And he was talking about the fact that in his la- in the last couple of years, Aaron Rodgers would, would not take the, the, the shot downfield. He was always looking for that, the dump off, the small, that he was leaving big gains out in the field. So it was quite clear that they weren't completely like trusting what he was doing on the field and they didn't have that complete faith. So looking at it now, this could be a legitimate genius move by the Green Bay Packers in terms of getting the salary off the off the cap, having that um, that concept of we're underdogs, nobody believes in us. That's going to be so powerful in the dressing room and in the, in the locker room for the players and helping to kind of like galvanize the team around a young quarterback who isn't going to have all of the pressure of being, um, of, of, yeah, of, of having to throw it like 30, 40 times a game. He's got great receivers. They drafted really well this year in terms of putting pieces together at receiver and tight end. They had two picks last year at the wide receiver position as well. So there are there are weapons around um, Jordan Love. And they've still got that defense who are going to be a, a top 10 unit. They've still got those big players in terms of Kenny Clark, Jay Alexander, uh, Preston Smith, who are, who are going to be able to help them there. And when you look at the division, you've got the Chicago Bears, who potentially could be in the running for a top five pick again. You've got the Vikings, who won a lot of coin flip games and realistically shouldn't have been anywhere near the playoffs based on the probability of what they did over the course of the season. And then you've got the Detroit Lions, who have made steps, they've made progress, but are a team that are on the rise potentially, who you don't know whether they're going to succeed or whether you're not. It's going to be a really interesting year for them. So in terms of what the NFC North looks like, it's still a safe division. It's not like they're being thrown into one of the divisions where you, you wonder if being second or third could get you into the playoffs because it's just so strong. So yeah, I think it's important for, for Lafleur to, to stake his claim because everything that's happened in the past has been because Aaron Rodgers was there. Now he has to be able to say, what is it about my coaching, my play calling and the decisions that I make that are going to take the Packers forward? Because... The interesting thing is, in 23 or 24 years, the Packers won two Super Bowls. I can't remember when Brett Favre started. I don't think I was born when he started playing American football, but I know I was actually. I think I was about nine or 10 years old. But it's two two Super Bowls in nearly three decades. So there's not that tradition of success in Green Bay compared to how it was um, earlier on in the, in, in the Lombardi era. So... Yeah, they've got to come up with a new nucleus and they've got to figure out how they're going to win and succeed going forward. My last question on the Packers. Do you think this is the most important year in which LeFleur has coached there? Or do you think it would always be the first year because he came in with a little bit of a reputation, a bit of an unknown name for for majority of fans who really weren't high on what the Tennessee Titans had done? Do you think this is the year where it signifies how you touch something there, how good of a head coach he is? I put two narratives in play. They go to the playoffs. They have a really strong season. They don't make the Super Bowl, but yet then they can turn around and say it was all the coaching. They have a really bad season, and then people are going to go, oh, "Well, it was all down to Aaron Rodgers, and I'm not sure really isn't the coach that people he was in the background, and it was Aaron Rodgers that led this team." Where are you? Where are you in the middle on that, or do you think it's fair to say this is arguably the most important, important year he's had? 
I think there's always this big media hype and importance that's placed on the coach or the quarterback in terms of why a team is wins and, and why a team is successful because they're the ones who are the figureheads. They're the ones who stand up in the press conferences. They're the ones who make the most money of either their position or the coaching staff, obviously. And I think that there are always going to be things that are lost within that kind of narrative because obviously when the Fleur came over, he was very adamant that the play that was called on the line, called into the headset, was a play that he wanted Rogers to call. And then they had to have this little back and forth about the freedom to audible and the freedom to check and all this kind of stuff, which progressed as they went. Lafleur had to give up control and to acknowledge who he had as a quarterback. And Jordan Love has now been able to learn under three, four years of that and have that confidence within the system. So yeah, I think it's really important for him to be able to stake his claim. But I think the the season will come down to a lot more than just who is under quarterback for them. It's going to come back down to those, those play calls that... Um, are crucial those game management decisions it's going to come down to how he deals with that kind of pressure um in those big games at lambo because he's got all of the i think they've got like four or five prime time games this year so that's where the pressure is going to come from and it's it, it is a struggle in green bay when you have that prestige you're at lambo it's snowing there's like four foot of snow when you can't get it off quicker than you can then it comes down i think it's going to be really interesting to see because i don't think he should be judged on whether adam aaron Rodgers is there or not but you know that the media is it's never going to let go. And especially if he starts in New York, then they're always going to say, well, you, you should have kept him. You should have had one more year. It was an ego thing. Yeah, he's damned if he does, and he's damned if he doesn't almost. Interesting times ahead for all Packers fans. Closing out this segment is John Harbaugh of the Ravens were flipping from the NFC North to the AFC North. And the reason why he's in here is the Ravens have been on the periphery of being in the for me, he should have been the team that have made the Super Bowl by now. And Lamar Jackson has found his way into a number of injuries. And I, and so I can necessarily understand why he was after the big contract and the number of times he's got injured because he's, since he's got a dual quarterback and since he's quarterback, he's also a great runner of the ball. And he does so much for the team. And essentially, he is the leader of this team. And we've seen over the last few years, for me, I just kind of get the sense I might, might change this, you know, if they got the contract resolved. Things for me haven't been right in Baltimore for quite some time. They let go Wick Martin dead. It's gone to the Giants in a superb job in his fourth season. For me, he was the fall guy where the offensive side of the ball, the offense coordinator, none of the Ravens fans were very frustrated around the play calling and offense. And then they brought in McDonald's last year to replace Wick Martin down. He he didn't really prove himself defensively. That guy now springs to mind is always the one against against the Dolphins where they're up by three touchdowns and he goes single coverage for, for, for the fourth quarter and gets blitzed by a real attack on the Dolphins team. Not to focus on one game, but it was so many different little storylines last year where teams didn't seem right. I never think John Arbor was going to be under pressure because he's such a great head coach. But with the contract resolved and I'm trying to put players around um, Lamar with like Odell Beckham coming in, we're not sure what's, what he's got left in the tank. You Zay Flowers in the first round, they're still doing their utmost to make sure he has players at his disposal to run an offense. What's a realistic expectation that will, will keep people off John Arbor's back come the end of the season? So I think the reason that he will be able to shift some of that pressure is because of the fundamental shift they've had within offense. So when Lamar Jackson was drafted and it was this running quarterback, what the Ravens said by bringing in um, Marty Morningweg was, we are going, sorry, Greg Roman, not what, he was OC a couple of years before that. 
they brought in Greg Roman. They said, right, we're going to run the quarterback. We're going to run the ball, which essentially said, we're never going to be able to sign a premier receiver in free agency. We're never going to be able to draft and keep that kind of talent. Uh, offensive line drafts and picks and all that kind of stuff are always going to be run heavy. So they really set this team about running Lamar Jackson, which is great when it was new, when he won the MVP, when he stayed healthy. It's great when you're up against teams and then you can dominate the clock and you can do all of those kinds of things. But when you need to chase a game, then it becomes a lot more difficult. So there was a, a Chargers um, playoff game a few years ago, which which brings to mind for me. There have been games in the last couple of years where Lamar has been injured and they brought in their um, the, the backup quarterback whose uh, name escaped me at the minute, but they weren't... Oh, yeah, Tyler Huntley, the, the ninth... Teenth string uh, Pro Bowl quarterback, of course. Um, they weren't a team that was set up to chase games, chase big games, and to throw the ball. They, they just weren't. Greg Roman didn't have that kind of playbook. Now they've brought in Todd Munkin, the Georgia Bulldogs offensive coordinator, who, interestingly, if you look back through his his history, when Fritz Magic was happening in Tampa Bay, Todd Munkin was calling the plays. When Baker Mayfield was having a success early in career in Cleveland, Todd Munkin was calling the plays. He's a dynamic play caller. He's an aggressive play caller. He's going to throw the ball. And that's why they've been able to go after an Adele Beckham, why they've been able to draft a Zay Flowers and say, right, we are going to be doing a lot more in the passing game than we have in previous years. So it's going to be really interesting there because you know they're going to play great special teams. You know they're going to play full quarters with this nasty, tough physical team because that's what John Arbor has created. That's what Eric DeCosta has created. That's what you know Baltimore Ravens football is going to be all about. But I think the key here is they're going to let Lamar Jackson throw because he has got an elite arm. If you like, even going back to Louisville, he can flick the ball seventy yards with with complete ease. And it's almost like there's again we talk about narratives. There's almost this narrative that he can only throw in the middle of the field. He can only throw within the twenty yard box. Whereas that's because that's what he was being asked to do and expected to do. I think when they start throwing it out like four wide, five wide, all these kinds of different looks. I think you're going to see a different quarterback who might be able to last 18 games because they're not trying to run him 350 times a year. They're going to be able to see how he picks defense defenses apart and is able to use his weapons and go to them because he's still got Mark Andrews at tight end. He's still got those kinds of weapons as well. He's still got Rashad Bateman, who, again, we talked about this concept, a draft pick who was massively talented coming out of Minnesota has kind of faded away and, and not really done much, not because of his own talent, but because the offense he was in, they didn't throw him the ball. They threw him on goes and posts every now and then. But it was run, run, Lamar Jackson, run. Oh, and then we'll throw the ball on a bootleg or something. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a completely different dynamic, which is going to help solidify what John Horbaugh is doing. Just thinking back to that um, Bills game a couple of years ago in the playoffs where, again, you're talking about chasing games in the playoffs, and that was another one, a leading example, where they were down and there was the interception pick six returned or a touchdown. Um, I think it's a better fresh year and what they're doing offensively. It'd be interesting to see how the season goes. A lot of excitement for Ravens fans. And I know they'll say John Harbour would ever have his job insecure. Interestingly, the reaction this season under Lamar with the contract. This closes out our, our segment of, of this uh Art and Hanson, looking at three particular coaches. Andrew, as always, really appreciate your time. Fantastic, yeah, fantastic stuff.
Thanks very much. Let's talk about some more coaches next time.